The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information or other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. Today I want to talk about connect groups, and I want to I begin explaining why everyone... Not some people, why everyone should be in a connect group. And I hope that when I get done today, you'll at least begin to have an understanding that I pray is going to really help motivate you to make a decision that you're not going to wait until next semester. Because I know some of you have been doing that. Yeah, you know, my life's a little busy right now. So man, next semester, dude, I'm getting in. Next semester comes, your life's a little busy. You know what, next semester, I'm going to get in. You know, one of the things my wife and I discovered about six years into pastoring this church is that our life is never going to slow down. And if you're going to wait for the right opportunity to do anything, I promise you, you're not going to be able to do that because there's never going to be a right opportunity. But I I hope today that you understand the why. When you understand a why you do something, why should I be in a small group, why should I get plugged in, it begins to change everything about what it is you're doing. In fact, I've got a quick video that I want to show you today about a couple's lives that figured out the why, and this is their testimony today. I think how Connect Groups have impacted our life is, uh, you know, it, it's, it's given us a no fear zone. You can go and when you're with the groups you develop a bond within the group and you're able to kind of share stuff you wouldn't be able to share outside the group. So when you're talking or say if you're dealing with something that may be in your family, it gives you an avenue to be able to help get invite God and healing into your life. I think um, having trouble making friends, I've been able to use that as a way to make friends. And um, you make really good friends. People just, you, if you get loved on at church, you're going to get loved on there. It's, it's really amazing. It's, I recommend it. I, I agree completely. It's developed relationships with, with people that are going to be lifelong, that uh, you, you just cherish those relationships you're going to have on. Even if you change groups, you still have relationships with people from the very, very first group you ever went to. I would recommend connect groups to our church or to other people in the church because we have grown so much. Being a part of this church for the last 12 years, um, you know, we've seen it go from a small group of people to a very large group of people. And having the connect groups, it enables you to connect with other people. So when you show up on Sunday and all of a sudden somebody from your connect group has invited somebody else, you're like, hey, you can go and love on that person and welcome them and make them feel part of the church as a whole. And it's just been, it it just helps create a a bond in the church. Amazing. If I could sum up connect groups in one word, I would say fulfilling. Amen. Amen. Listen, I, I can't tell you how many how many people have shared with me how they're 
their connect group has impacted their life. In fact, you know, if you have a testimony um, that you'd like to share about what, how God has changed your life, man, we'd love to hear from you. Pastor Rob's sitting up here on the front. Find him after the service and say, hey, let me tell you how connect groups have impacted my life. Because sometimes when we get the why answered again, it, it really does help us to kind of step into that time. And, and here's the reason why we have connect groups. And it's the slogan that you're seeing on the, the connect group uh, coach's t-shirt this morning, that we are better together. We are. We, we are better together. We are stronger together. We are smarter together. We are better looking together. For those of us that are on the lower side of that, we are glad for some of you good looking people that hang around us. So we're better together. And I, and I hope that I can kind of show you that today and kind of prove that to you today. Now, I know some of you are here this morning and you kind of have a little bit of a hard time kind of buying into being connected in a church. You have a hard time believing some of that because like me, you were raised in the church and you, you sometimes recognize that the church sometimes does some real quirky and funny things. I mean, do you all ever drive around town and you look at the church uh, um, signs that are out in front of the church? And you kind of think, man, that is hilarious, or oh my goodness, I can't believe they're saying that. And so today, just kind of the way I want to start today, I want to share with you some funny church signs that, that we have today. And, and, and sometimes they don't recognize the message that they really are sending, but they're hilarious. So like this one, go ahead and throw that one up there, guys, if you would. This Sunday, blessing of the animals, barbecue after the service. <laughs> some of you are going, man, that's awesome. That's a great idea, man. Let's do that. Pastor Richie. And then, then there's those signs that they try to make you feel guilty. You ever see those? You go like, seriously? Go ahead and put that one up there, guys. Knock, knock. Who's there? Jesus. Jesus who? Exactly. <laughs> Just so you know, that's really not encouraging people to come to church, right? And, and then there's the whole genre of churches that, that you know, it's, it's almost embarrassing you know, the way they say things and the way they kind of do things, like this one right here. Our church is like fudge, sweet with a few nuts. <laughs> right? Some of you are thinking of a few people. Yeah, we are sweet, and I know who the nuts actually are. Right? Or like this one. Life stinks, and we have a pew for you. So you're looking at these things and you're going, man, seriously, is this what the church is all about? And then, then there's those ones that the, the guy really had good intentions, but, but things didn't really quite add up like this one. One cross plus three nails plus one resurrection equals five given. Some of you don't get it because you can't add, but one plus three plus one is not four. It's not four given. Man, great intentions, but hopefully this is not the bookkeeper in the church, right? And, and then there's this last one, and, and I'm not sure whose church this is, but it ain't Peter's church. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Don't you wish sometimes that, that we could always represent Christ in the way that he really needs to be represented? Man, I, you know, I wish we could, and sometimes church is a, is a little crazy, and it seems a little bit messed up, which, by the way, the church is not the building. The church is not the organization or the structure. Just so you know, when someone's talking bad about the church, they're not talking bad about the building. They're talking about bad about the body of Christ, because we are the church. You and I, we are the church, and that's why, honestly, sometimes it appears to be so messed up, because I'm in it. 
and because you're in it. And listen, we need relationships. You and I need relationships. First of all, we need a relationship with God, and then we need a relationship with each other. And the reason why we need relationship is so that every one of us can reach our full potential, so that all of us can find wholeness in our lives. But relationships are the key. That's why we shouldn't ever, ever do life alone. We shouldn't. God did not design you to be alone. That's why he said it's not good that man would be alone. And if ladies, if you've ever left your husband over the weekend with the kids, you agree with that. It's not good for man to be alone. So we are better together. We're better together. When, when we're together, we're, we're so much better. And when I say together, I'm not just talking about together in some generic sense. I'm talking about together, connected, where we're together in relationships, where we want to encourage together. We want to defend together. We want to lift up the fallen together. You don't have to have a relationship with us, but you need to have a relationship with someone. Listen, you, you don't have to do church with us. You don't have to do life with us, but you need to do it with someone because the most important decisions that you'll ever make in your life are your relationships decisions. In fact, if you want to know what you're going to look like in a month or two or in a year from now, look at who it is you're hanging around with right now because your relationships affect you. Your relationships influence you. So it's important that we choose the right things because there are so many people today that are dealing with loneliness. There really are. There are people that walk into these churches, into this church on Sunday morning, and they walk out still feeling lonely. That we all struggle sometimes with this issue of loneliness, loneliness. And there are too many people today that do not have any or very many close friends. So I want to talk to you today about why relationships are so important and why it is important for you to be in a small group. Why it's important for you to be in a small group that we call connect group. So I want to look at what the Bible has to say about this today and then I want to talk about it for just a few minutes. And I think there's some things that all of us can learn from this today. Because again, it's not God's plan for you to ever feel isolated and alone. God has a plan for you to be connected first of all with him but also with others. So in Genesis chapter 1, if you have your Bibles there, go ahead and turn there. It's the book of beginnings, and we see the story of creation. Man, it's one of the, those DVDs that when I get to heaven, I want to pull out. I'm kind of dating myself by saying DVD, right? Well, one of those MP4s that I, my wife's been actually helping me. She says, honey, sometimes you say stuff that is so 90s. I say, 90s? Some stuff, I'm still in the 80s, man. I'm just, I'm happy to be there, right? But when I get to heaven, I want to pull out the MP4 and watch creation. What a powerful thing that God literally spoke the world into existence. That God created everything that we see around us. Listen, if you ever wonder about the power of God, just look at the world in which we live in and think God spoke that into existence. And there's this phrase that shows up in Genesis, in the living creatures. You know, not, not necessarily in the soil, but in the living creatures, and it's produce seed. And I, I want to look at this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. It says this, Then God said, let the land produce vegetation. They're, they're not just going to grow, but inside the thing that I'm going to create, there are going to be, the next word there, seed bearing. In other words, inside of the thing, 
are more things like it. This is the design of God, that inside of the thing, there are more things like it. Plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to the various kinds. And it was so. What God was saying is that inside of every plant, inside of every tree, there were more like it. Inside of every plant, there were acres and acres of plants. Inside of every tree, there were forests of trees. And, and inside of those plants, God produced this seed that would produce more like it. It's one of the most amazing things about God that only God could shove forests of trees inside of a seed. This is something you got to know about God, that he's a God that constantly puts inside of things potential. Inside of everything that he, living thing that he creates, he puts potential. He's a God of potential. And even when you don't see the potential in you, he always sees and knows the potential that's in you. And notice that you would, that, that they would bear fruit with seed in it. Even the ones that they produce would also have seed in them. And, and the line that says according to the various kinds means so that they can make more like themselves. Powerful. Verse 12. And the land produced vegetation, meaning that it, it happened. The land began to produce. The land, the, the kind that it was, it began to spring forth and other things began to be produced. Plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kind. And God saw that it was good. Listen, God said, I'm going to create a system where it, I won't just create the thing, but I'm going to create the thing with the, the ability to create more things like it. I'm going to shove more things like it into it. That's why sometimes we feel so empty and feel so, oh, I'm so not very valuable. And God's going, you don't realize all that I put in you. You don't realize all that I have created you for. You don't realize the potential that's inside of you. And he didn't just do it with the plants and animals. He did it with you and me. But instead of just putting a generic seed, he put his seed inside of us. Verse 27, if you'll drop down just a, a few verses, it said, so God created man. He said, I'm going to put my seed inside him. He created man in his own image. Anytime you start buying into the accusations and the lies of the enemies that I'm worthless, I'm no good, you need to go back and read Genesis 1, again to understand that you are created in the image of God. No, that, that's not me. That's just for people who really are doing great with God. No, every person on the face of the earth today, even if they're not saved, they were created in the image of God. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Watch this. This is huge. God's first words that he's going to speak to mankind, and first words are important. Every time you see something show up in the Word of God for the first time, it's important. And it says this in verse 28, God blessed them. For those people that think that church is about beating people up, it's not. God blessed them. God blessed them. You are already blessed. God blessed them and said to them, be what? Be fruitful. God wants you to be fruitful and what? 
increase. Some of your translations say multiply. God said be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. This is what God has created you and I to do. To be fruitful and to multiply. To bring increase all the time into our lives. Again, for those of you that think that God's a taker, that God is always withdrawing from you, it's a lie and an accusation from the enemy. Because God wants you to be fruitful and multiply. He wants you to do it, your business to do it, your life to do it, your marriage to do it. Some of you have really taken that to the extreme and you've got five or six kids. He wants you to be fruitful and multiply. It's awesome. God wants you to be fruitful and multiply. When God is in the middle of something, he wants there to be fruitfulness and increase or multiplication all the time. Well, no, no, Pastor Richie, really it's just when, when we're doing all the right. No, God wants it to be happening all the time. So why doesn't it always happen? Why, why do we get stuck sometimes? Because we mess up the thing that creates fruitfulness and increase. We, we mess up the thing that creates fruitfulness and increase. Because in this system, God created a way for fruitfulness and increase to take place. And you guys know what it is. Those things just couldn't have the seed inside of them. They would have to connect with other things like them. Actually, they would have to connect with things that were of the opposite gender of those things. And they would have to become intimate. They would have to become intimate for there to be multiplication. Watch this. Guys, throw up that slide. God requires intimacy in order for things to multiply. You got to catch that. God requires intimacy in order for things to, to multiply. And so you can have seed or potential inside of you and never see it if intimacy or connection never takes place. That's why we see the devil come on the scene in Genesis chapter 2. And this, just so you know today, I want to make sure that you really understand the devil. Because we kind of have this, this picture of this fictional thing, and is the devil really real? Listen, the devil is really real. All the destruction, all the hate, all the things that are not of God that you see happening in the world today comes from the devil. And I want to make sure that you know your enemy so that you know how to fight your enemy. Listen, if you just think that all those bad thoughts that keep popping into your mind are just you, you're going to keep buying into it and keep believing the bad thoughts that keep popping into your mind. But if you start recognizing that you do have an enemy, you're going to become more aware. So I want you to understand so that you can fight him well. So that you fight the good fight of faith. Now you learn to stand your ground and you say, you know what? I'm tired of the devil making inroads into my marriage. I'm tired of the devil making inroads into my family. I'm tired of the devil making inroads into my health or into my finances. I'm going to stand and I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. So there's something you need to know about the devil. And it's not that he's just mean and nasty. He is. He's mean and nasty. But it's too shallow for you to think that the devil's just there to mess up your life. That the devil's just there to make your life miserable. It's not even close. Satan has a goal. And it's to stop this process of intimacy. If he can stop intimacy between you and God. If he can stop that, you know what? You'll never, you'll never be thankful 
for all the good things that God's done. You'll never be able to worship God with your whole heart and with your whole passion. See, every time we walk into this service, I have to sometimes get my mind around the goodness of God because there's been some things that have been distracting me all week long. Can I get a witness? You got some things going on. Listen, I got to put those things down and I want to say, God, thank you, God, today. That, that line today we're singing in that song that, that I'm making a choice to stand in your grace. Man, it just began to hit me and I began to say, God, thank you. Thank you that you provided a way for me to stand in a, in a way that I get the blessing of the Lord in my life, not because I deserve it, but because of what you've done. He'll try to keep intimacy happening between you and God. He wants you just to kind of know that God's there. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that's okay, but just barely get in. It's about fire insurance. You don't really have to be intimate with God. And if we're not intimate with God, there's not going to be the fruitfulness and the increase coming in our life. The devil's plan also is to keep intimacy from happening between you and others. He can keep you from being intimate with other people. Again, he's going to stop the fruitfulness in your life. He's going to stop the increase happening in your life. So evil is not there just for evil's sake. Sin is not there just for sin's sake. The devil's not there saying, look, I'm bad and I know it. Because I'm bad, I'm bad. You know, he's not doing that, all right? He's not doing that. He's saying, look, I'm not sitting here and I'm just trying to make your life miserable. That's not his goal. Please hear that. I know I'm funny here, but please hear that. That's not his goal, just to make your life miserable. He's trying to create damage on the inside of you. He's trying to break some things in your life so that you will never have intimacy with God or with other people. If he can stop intimacy, he can keep you from multiplying. He can keep you from becoming fruitful or seeing increase in your life. If he can get you messed up where you're actually guarded against all things intimate, he can keep the seed inside of you, the potential that is in every, every single one of you today from ever happening. That's why the devil's on the scene. That's why every time he comes on the scene, he's always killing the potential. When, when you see, read through the word of God, Satan comes on the scene and he's always trying to kill babies. He is. Why? Because Satan is not like God. He's not all-knowing. And so he doesn't understand what the potential might be, but he knows the potential is powerful. Therefore, he's going to do everything that he can to kill babies. So Satan hates the seed. He hates the potential that is inside of every one of us because he's not sure what you're going to do with that potential, but he knows that you're created in the image of God. And he knows that potential inside of you, every one of you, is powerful. That's why I throw up that slide, guys. Satan's goal, you got to understand this, is to get between you and God and you and others to stop intimacy. That's his goal. It's what he's focused on all the time, is to get between you and God and you and others to stop intimacy. Because if he can stop intimacy, he can stop multiplication. He can stop fruitfulness and increase from happening in your life. He knows that if he can keep you from being intimate, connected, he can stop the potential or hinder the potential that's inside of you. Now it makes sense why we struggle relationally. Now it makes sense why we, we struggle in our relationship with God. 
Why every time that we kind of begin to grow in our relationship with God and we begin to understand that God's so good and we, we come into this time where we just went through a horrible time and we know that God saved us and he redeemed us and we're so thankful that God you provided for me, that you brought healing into my life. We're so connected with the heart of God and then two days later we make a mistake and we start, start, suddenly start being ashamed and we start being fearful and we allow condemnation to come into our life because he wants you to run from God instead of to God. He wants to steal the intimacy between you and God. That's why we struggle relationally with, with other people. That's why we struggle sometimes really being vulnerable and open with other people. And, and can I tell you, technology is, is pushing this thing forward even faster. Where kids are sitting at tables and, and talking via text instead of face to face. The other night we went out to dinner and I took the phone away from two people said, hey, y'all are going to talk to me, and we're going to have a face-to-face conversation. Because when, when I'm texting somebody, you can't read what I'm saying behind that. You can, you can understand the words, but you can't understand the feeling and the expression. God desires intimacy. So we, so we struggle with these things. We struggle with our relationships with others. And, and so we have relationships, but they're not intimate anymore. It's really messed up. It really is. Husbands and wives are business partners. They are. They're, they're not sharing things. They're not, they're not connecting like they need to be. They're not intimate anymore. Let me give you a modern day example of that. Porn. Porn isn't there just to make you nasty and evil. It is all that, but it's, that's not why it's there. You're thinking too shallow again. Porn is there to give you a sexual encounter without someone else being present without there being another person. So there isn't really intimacy. And it's messing us up. Listen, porn just used to be an issue for guys. It's not an issue just for guys anymore. It's an issue for guys and gals across the whole spectrum today. And secular researchers, these are not Christians, secular researchers, sociologists and psychologists have come together and they are concerned. They're concerned because it's messing people up. It is genetically and chemically reprogramming people's minds. Their neurons that are firing in their brain are messing them up. So that even when they try to leave porn and move away from that and try to have a relationship with somebody, there's no intimacy. Because of the hardwiring that's taking place in their brain. We're messed up. The devil has strategically done his ultimate goal, that is to stop intimacy. So that he can stop the potential, but it isn't about porn. It's about stopping closeness with other people so that you never multiply, so that fruitfulness and increase doesn't come into your life. See, when I get around you, there's something inside of you that I need because we're the body of Christ. And when I get around you, I get the thing that I need. I learn something from you. There, there are people in my life that are so much better at so many things than I am, and I'm so thankful from people that I work out with that train me, from people that help me and talk to me about finances, to people that that talk to me about being more relational. All of those people in my life, they're pouring things into me. And because they're getting poured into me, things are becoming fruitful in my life. An increase is coming in my life. See, a lot of you don't know this about me, but I'm really a super shy person. I really am. Almost every Sunday when I get up to get on the stage, I'm always praying, Lord, if this would be the Sunday the rapture would take place so I wouldn't have to get up, that would be awesome. 
because it freaks me out to be up here. But can I tell you, I've had people pouring into my life, and I'm connected with people. I've got these intimate relationships with people that I trust and people that I love, and so they're speaking life into me. They're speaking life into me, but what the enemy wants to do is get us isolated and get us alone. Again, the devil is about the potential that's inside of you. It's what he's after. See, it's the same thing with divorce. The Bible says that God hates divorce. Why does God hate divorce, Pastor? Well, that guy stood there at the altar and said, I do, and he didn't, and now he doesn't anymore, but he said, I do. So he should, right? It's not actually what the Bible says. See, God says in Malachi 2, verse, verse 16, I hate divorce. But no one ever really talks about why God hates divorce. It doesn't have anything to do with that couple, by the way. It doesn't have anything to do with the vows that they said. I know some of you are shocked, but if you go back and look at it in Malachi 2 and read that whole passage, in fact, if you back up just one verse, it says this. And now what was the one God seeking? What was God looking for in marriage? What, what was God wanting? Was he wanting that couple to stay faithful, to, to tell the truth, and man, I made the vow, I'm sticking it? No, watch this. And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to your wife, to the wife of your youth. It was godly offspring. It was all about the potential in the couple. So the devil says, if I can create divorce, you'll never have kids. I can stop it that way. And if you do have kids, they'll grow up wounded and maybe stay isolated and never heal from their wounds. And maybe not only will they be wounded, but they'll wound other people. And I'll make it where they never want to be intimate with anyone ever again. That's why God hates divorce. Are you beginning to understand why God hates sin? It wasn't because you're violating his rule book. It's because violating his rule book damages you and I. why Jesus said this about the devil, that he was a thief. That he has come to steal from you, he has come to kill you, and he has come to destroy you. Oh, but thank God for Jesus, amen? Because Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly to the full. I've come that you might be fruitful, that your business might be fruitful. That the creative thing that's inside of you to do that thing might be fruitful. That you'll get in the, not just a job, but you'll get in a position where you're going, I love what I do. Now you might not like it all the time, but you're going to love what you do because you know that what you're doing, you were hardwired to do. Sometimes it's not in your secular job. Sometimes it's what you do on Sundays or through the week being involved in Connect Group as a Connect Group coach. You were wired to do it. Jesus came that you might have fruitfulness, that there might be increase. He's not, he doesn't want you just to stay where you're at because this is the level he can keep you humble at. He wants to see increase happening in your life. Because when increase happens in your life, people go, how did that happen to you? Let me tell you about my good God. He came that you might have life. He came to be a savior. I talked about that over the last few weeks. He came to save you and I from sin and from destruction. He came and he died to forgive us of all of our sins. And in the process, what he did is he restored intimacy with the holy God. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Again, that's just not a proclamation about eternal life. That's a proclamation about the abundant life that God wants to have you to have right now in your life. Whosoever believes in him, do you believe in God's goodness today? Do you believe that he's for you? Do you believe that he's not against you? Do you believe that you're the head and not the tail, that you're above and not beneath? That you're blessed going in and you're blessed coming out? Whosoever believeth, you've got to believe it. I can't make you believe it. But whosoever believeth in him won't perish in this life. I'm not talking about us not dying someday. This tent we have is falling apart. But I'm talking about us living in this constant state of destruction in our life. It's not God's plan for your life. His plan for you is for you to be fruitful and to increase. He provided healing, not only for our physical bodies, but he also provided healing for our souls, for our emotions, for wounds that we carry. I I imagine today there's not one person here today that is not carrying a wound, but I want you to know that no matter what the enemy has tried to do, do to you, Jesus came to restore you. He came to heal you. He came to be your Savior. In a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm gonna talk a little bit about this element of the arenas of our life, aspects of our life, and, and how we can walk in on a Sunday morning and we can look at other people and look like, man, they've got it all together and why don't I have it all together? I promise you here today, not every one of us, or none of us here today, have it all together. There's things that have happened in all of our lives and, and sometimes we can even, you can even look at me as the pastor and say, man, you're the pastor, man, you must, you must walk in the glory of God all day long. Just kind of float around the house. Chores get done just as I simply pray and things happen. All my relationships are awesome. There's never any stress in my life. I can tell you in in 13 years of being a senior pastor of this church, I've dealt with some pretty tough stuff. I've had friends stab me in the back. I've had people say, man, we're we're behind you. We'll never leave you and abandon me in, in critical moments in my life. And, and I recognize the pain that I feel in those moments. And you want to know what my first response is? I'm never letting anyone in again. I'm not, I'm not letting anybody in. That person got too close to me. And I have lots of pastor friends that they're stuck there, in fact. They've been hurt. Their wives have been hurt. And I watch the wound that they carry. And because they carry this wound, they're so afraid to be vulnerable again. You know what the enemy's trying to do? He's trying to steal my potential. He's trying to steal your potential all the time. Because you see, everything that we're doing as a church, it matters. Our small groups matter. They really do. They matter in huge ways because it's the place that healing is going to take place. It's the place where people are going to get connected and start being able to fix some stuff in their life that's been broken. Yesterday, Pam and Christian and I went went out for lunch and we were sitting at, at the table and a lady walked up and said, Hey, you're my pastor. I start thinking, okay, did I, was I nice when I walked in? Did I say all the right things? You know what I'm saying? You got to feel that? And, and I said, yeah. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, I talked to you at the front. She said, yeah. She said, I'm, I'm a friend with one of the guys on the worship team. He asked me to come. She goes, she kind of started to tear up a little bit. And she said, I want to tell you how this church has changed my life. She goes, man, I was in a place where I really needed God. And, and Toby began to talk to me about coming to the church. And I came to the church. And, man, God's just changing my life. As I was thinking about this message this morning, I was thinking about the potential that God, that the enemy wanted to steal, that the potential that was in me to pastor a church. Now, could she have found God some other way? Yes. But listen, there's potential inside of us that impacts people all the time. 
and the enemy is coming and he wants to get you isolated and he wants to get you fearful. He wants to get you to hide. So I want to say to every one of you here today, there, are, there is tons of potential inside of every one of you. There's tons of potential inside of every one of you. You have more ability to do more things than you've ever imagined. You've, you've got the ability to do more things with your life than you ever thought possible. But listen, you're going to have to become aware of the way the devil has stolen or has tried to steal your potential. And you're going to need to make a decision that you're not going to allow past hurts to keep you from getting in a relationship with other people. Listen, I, I know this can be scary. Because honestly, at some level, all of us have intimacy issues. All of us have some areas that, man, we're guarded and we're, we're very anxious about being intimate with people. And maybe you're saying, Pastor Richie, you know what? I'm really not ready to be intimate and vulnerable with anyone right now. You don't, you don't know what I've just walked through. I've walked through a horrible situation. or I've, I've grew up in a horrible situation and I'm just not ready right now. Maybe not. But I want to tell every one of us here today, every one of us can take a next step today. All of us have a, a next step. The next step that God wants to get you healed. And all of us can get connected in a connect group. Every one of us can. Every one of us can carve out some time out of our week because we recognize, I need some relationships in my life. I need some things to, to start changing in my life so that I become more intimate and more connected with people. And, and so that you start moving towards the potential that is inside of you. And just so you know, you don't have to go home and pray about it. All right? You can go ahead and sign up today. In fact, I promise you this, that if you decide you're going to go home and pray about it, the devil will probably talk you out of it before you come back next week. Because right now, God is speaking to some of you and he's telling, you know what, it's time for you to get these things fixed. It's time for you to take a step. And again, we're not going to go from I'm, I'm a totally closed off person to please share all of your feelings and emotions in a connect group, okay? Once you know that's not going to happen. But through relationships, you're going to build and you're going to start trusting some people. You're going to find some people in your life that, that you're going to allow in just a little bit. And listen, it, it shouldn't be everybody, but it should be somebody. You, you shouldn't be sharing your stuff with everybody, but you should be sharing your stuff with somebody. And when we do that, the potential that is inside of us, because we're intimate with God and we're intimate with other people, it begins to bring fruitfulness into our life. Instead of always being fearful that the person that we're with right now is going to abandon us, suddenly we get confidence. Fruitfulness and increase starts taking. I promise the devil is after your potential. Don't let him have it. Let me pray over you today. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.